Good morning and happy Wednesday to you. It's October 26th and we are inching closer to the end of the month and the beginning of November, but we still have some October left, so let's not lose sight of that. Let's begin our day in prayer as we always do. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I said at the beginning, it's very good to be with you on this Wednesday. I hope we're going to dry out today. Um, and, you know, and, and it hit me last night how far we are into the the end of October here because I was out running some errands, and I walked out of the house at 630, and it was dark. And I said, wow, we're already to that time of year here where it's dark. Okay, well, that that's okay. It's supposed to get dark as we get into October. It's supposed to get cold, although now I'm at that point. I wish the summer would have hung on. And just, it's just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. But we can sit around wishing it was a different way, or we can embrace how it is and say, God, how are you calling me to live in this today? And that's what I'm going to choose to do. On the show today, we are very happy to have with us uh, two great gentlemen. One is... Dave Baranowski, who's going to be joining us shortly after the weather. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. What? Already? Why are you talking about Thanksgiving already? Well, some people like to uh, spend the entire month of November giving thanks, and Dave and I thought we'd have a nice conversation about that. So that's this morning. And then also this morning, we are on the road to Kenrick Glennon Seminary in the Archdiocese of St. Louis to meet with the new president, rector, Father Paul Hazing, uh, Father Hazing has been at the seminary for a few years now, but this is his first year as the president rector, and we wanted the opportunity to sit down with him and talk about seminary formation. He was so kind to grant us a, a good chunk of time last week to go visit with him, and we're happy to bring you that conversation today. Of course, we'll have the fabulous catequiz, the daily dose of encouragement, and some uh, inspiration to get your, your day going here Let's go to Mike Roberts and the weather and the saint of the day and get a jump start on today's Roadmap to Heaven. Today is the feast day of St. Peter of Alcantara. Born in Spain in 1499, his father was governor of Alcantara and his mother was from a prominent noble family. Peter felt called to serve the Lord from a young age, and by the time he was 16, he had made the decision to join the Franciscans. Drawn to the strictest observance of the Franciscan journey, Peter never allowed himself to sleep very much. Some reports say just 90 minutes a night, and he kept severe limits on his clothing and diet. At 22, he was sent to establish a new order of stricter observance to the rule of St. Francis, and they became known as the Alcatrans, who in the 19th century would join with other Franciscans to form the orders of Friars Minor. Peter was a great preacher, and many sought his wisdom. He was St. Teresa of Avila's spiritual director, and it was Peter who encouraged her to bring reform to the Carmelites. In St. Teresa's autobiography, she detailed some of the miracles Peter performed. St. John of the Cross and St. Ignatius of Loyola were also among his contemporaries. As he was dying, Peter was offered a glass of water but refused it, saying, My Lord Jesus Christ, 
thirsted on the cross. He died in prayer while still on his knees in 1562. St. Peter of Alcantara, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Our next guest is someone I have known for many years and many happy years. He is the Director of Parish Stewardship and Leadership Formation for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. None other than uh, Mr. Grateful and Generous Dave Baranowski himself. Dave, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) There you have it. Well, Dave, I'm grateful for you being here, and that's actually what we're going to talk about today is gratitude. We're coming up on the month of November. It's right around the corner, and I remember years ago, I would get on social media, and I would see a lot of people people would post today, you know, day of gratitude, number one, today I am grateful for, and then they'd fill in the blank and they would do this every day of November up until Thanksgiving. And then one year I tried to get on that bandwagon and it became a discipline every day to name something different that I'm grateful for. But I have to be honest, as our listeners know, over the past few years, every day, whether it's something simple or something gigantic, I try to say, Lord, this happened today and I'm grateful for it. And I mean, that's a great attitude for us to have, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the attitude of gratitude. That's that's the theme of stewardship, right? The attitude of gratitude. So this whole idea of uh, gratitude and generosity, it's, it's a cycle, right? And this is built into our DNA. When I give you something, your first reaction is, thank you, right? And then most people, when they get a gift, they want to share it. So God has built this into us. This idea of gratitude and generosity is built into us. So to get on your, your, your points of doing something every day, Here's the thing that we need to think about more specifically. The, the, the secular phrase is uh, we want to do these random acts of kindness. They're, they're on the right track, but they're not quite there. We need to have intentional acts of gratitude, right? When it's random, I don't have any – it has no connection. I do these meaning – I do these things. They're not meaningless, but there's no relationship. There's no connection. But when I do intentional – now I'm forming relationships. So think when you do these random acts, try to be more intentional with your random acts to build a relationship. That's really a key to this. I don't know about you, but I've, I have found that when I switched over to this every day, I try to do it midday as part of my midday exam. And Lord, I'm grateful for this. And Lord, I need your grace to help me turn this around. Usually frustrations with how I'm acting around my children or whatnot. But in doing that, I used to be a very envious person. Oh, why did they get that? How come he's got that cool guitar and I don't have a cool guitar? And why this and why that? But now it's like, okay, Lord, you've given me this. The envy seems to be a lot more under control and a lot more checked and a lot less apparent because I'm realizing God's blessed me with some wonderful gifts in my life. Maybe not the ones I would have picked for myself, but really some wonderful gifts from in my life. And I can't imagine that's coincidental. No. So so the whole I it's perfect. Gratitude is based in humility, right? It really because I'm humble. Thank you. I'm recognizing that something somebody gave me something, right? So it's really in the seat of humility. And then as I grow in relationship with friends and and with the Holy Trinity, this humility then uh, I become other-centered. I become God-centered. I become less Self, selfish, less self-centered, and that's really the key with gratitude. When I, when I, when I can surrender that first moment, now I'm, I'm outward thinking versus that inward thinking. So envy, jealousy, uh, pride, ego—all those things now start to take 
a back seat. And really, that, that's why we do these things. It's not so that, oh, people think I'm this great guy. It's really it's that we grow in relationship with people, and we really think of other people first. Yeah. Now, I've got an idea for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one of those things, like I said, when I first encountered this, it was people posting on their social media. Look what I did. I'm grateful for yep. this today, which, you know, good, but a little bit of putting the spotlight on ourselves. So here, here's my thought. Yes. My buddy Joe, he goes to the Adoration Chapel every day, and every day he goes through his phone, and you know when your turn comes up in the rotation because you get a text message from Joe. I just prayed for you during my holy hour. I hope all is well. God bless you, Joe, right? What about every day from November 1st through Thanksgiving, writing someone, whether it's a text message or a little handwritten note that you stick in the mail, that we still have that, uh, an email or, or even a phone call to say, hey, this happened one time, recent, far off, but I'm grateful for it. You talk about relationship. That's where I'm thinking right away. So great idea. So think of people that you haven't been in relationship for a while, right? How cool would it be to get a note from somebody that you haven't talked to in five years? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm thinking of you. Or more importantly, how about somebody that you're maybe sideways with? You know, maybe somebody things aren't going so good with. It's like, you know what? I've been thinking about you today and I'm praying for you because we both know when when you meet people whether you know them or not, and you tell people that you're praying for them, it, 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 you can see that you can see the physical change on their face. Like, oh my gosh, thank you! Right? Their their immediate reaction is thank you. So that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah. Someone told me recently that they go to the adoration chapel whenever they're mad with someone, and, and it's like you, you have to go and you have to pray for them until you're not mad at them anymore, and and it works every time. Yep. You, you can't pray for them and, and stay mad at them. So when I when I started in the stewardship ministry eleven years ago, I read somewhere. It is physically impossible to be angry and grateful at the same time. So God has made it this way. You can either be one or the other. So that's one of the little tips that I that for me, I've got my little gratitude list, right? When I feel myself starting to get all worked up, Lord, thank you for my wife, that somebody that puts up with me, my kids, you know, down the list. So that that gets us out of this idea of anger because you, your mind cannot be in both spots at the same time. Yeah, now you might be saying to yourself, Adam, Dave, that's a great idea. I don't know that I can come up with 25 people between November 1st and Thanksgiving. But I'll tell you what, who are the people in your life that are there every day that maybe you overlook, whether that's the person that you know works at the front desk in the office building that you just kind of, oh, hello, every morning, but they're there. You know, yes. or the person who comes and, and cleans or the, the, you know, what you might be that person, whoever it is, look for those people. I always like to thank the gas station attendants, especially when it's two in the morning and I'm driving and I'm like, oh, I need gas because they're there. And without them, I'd be on the side of the no. road. You're right. It's, it's kind of looking at those uh, overlooking forgotten people that you've seen every day. Right. You've seen every day of your life, but you've never started that relationship with them. Right. Yeah. Well, this is beautiful. So last thing here, we're, yep. we're talking about gratitude, um, but of course, with, it's not a conversation with Dave Baranowski without talking about generous. And that's really comes back to this whole idea of stewardship, that this isn't just a, a pat on the back, feel good exercise. This is something that God calls us to. He, he calls us to recognize the gifts in our life and then share them with the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the thing about uh, Gratitude and generosity. Many people are generous with the gifts. So we're given all kinds of gifts. But many people kind of pick and choose the gifts they're generous with. God calls us to be generous with everything and especially that one thing that means the most to you. So that's different for all of us. Maybe that's my time, right? Maybe that's some skill I have, or maybe it's my money. Most of us, right? But that's whatever that one is, that's the one 
God wants. That's the one he wants. He wants you to be generous with that one thing that you're kind of holding back. That's the key to gratitude. Well, now you know you have to look for that thing. And I know people who say, just tell me where to write the check to, because <laughs> I don't have the time, but I can write the check. And, and, and but, it's they like, want, but God wants that time. Yeah. yeah. God wants the time. He, he doesn't always <laughs> give us the easy way out here. Well, Dave, I want to okay. thank you for your time this morning. And, uh, you know, I think that's a good reminder for all of us as we enter this month of November coming up here grateful and generous every day. And and you don't have to take my word for it. If you look for it every day, you'll find reasons to be grateful and that'll move you to generosity. If you don't believe me, just ask Dave Baranowski. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. Prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face, I humbly kneel. And with the greatest fervor of spirit, I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. Odds are good if you know a seminarian from your diocese, either he is studying at Kenrick Lennon Seminary or he knows another seminarian who is. And we're happy to be on the road today at the seminary visiting with Father Paul Hazing, who is the president rector of the seminary. Not new to the seminary, Father, but new to this role this academic year. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you, Adam, for having me. It's great being here. As the president rector, you're at the top of the food chain here at the seminary. So I think one question all of our listeners would love to know is Mm. just briefly, who is Father Paul Hazing and where does he come from? Sure. Well, he comes from Nebraska, which is the big red, go Huskers. We all bleed Husker red there. I grew up on a farm in northeast Nebraska, right along the Missouri River. So far away from Omaha, actually, 167 miles to be exact. And I grew up with two younger brothers and being archdiocesan priest, I was assigned to uh, inner city parish in Omaha for my first assignment and then the Sand Hills. And I taught in high schools, Catholic high schools during that time. And uh, I was ordained in 02, which was the year of a lot of difficulty for the priesthood. And so I'm familiar with all that happened in terms of scandal wise and so forth. So in the last 20 years, I've seen a lot of changes and uh, we're seeing those changes affect how we do formation here. So who am I? I, a farm kid from Nebraska, and I was interested in medicine when I went to college. I thought of being in medical school, but after two years of college, I went to college seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and then I studied in Rome, and in Rome with Father Teeter, who's here on staff with St. Louis, and a lot of us studied in Rome together. So it's been great being here as priests who once went through seminary together, and we see the differences as we're here. It's amazing how God works in everyone's vocation story, and and we all have one. So thank you for sharing a little bit about yours. Now, you mentioned that seminary preparation has changed over the course Mm -hmm. of the last 20 years. And, you know, being privileged to know so many priests having worked in parishes, you can kind of see the changes throughout the decades as well in priestly formation. What's the state of seminary preparation now in 2022-23 academic year? Sure. I guess the best place to start would be with the four dimensions of formation. And those are human, spiritual, intellectual, and then pastoral. And what we saw after the council was a lot of confusion about how seminary formation should look. And it sort of landed on the priest needs to be a more professional 
presence to people. Because priests, before the council, you saw a priest really behave like, I'm the dad, and I'm here to be your father and your pastor. But those idiosyncrasies would come out, and some of the standards weren't there. So, for example, my dad experienced a very strong rural pastor who decided before Mass to announce the reason he was late. He was anointing Fred Hazing, my dad's grandfather. He had died in a car accident, and that's how he found out in grade school <laughs> from the priest announcing it to the whole school. And so those are the kind of standards that get lost, those pastoral standards. And so we saw the church start to say, let's give better pastoral training. So the pastoral formation was emphasized in the 70s and 80s, and internships would start. Guys would go into the parish for a year. And then John Paul II came along in 92, and he said, listen, if we're going to get our intellectual formation in order, we need to have as well a human formation. And so what we started to see with seminaries in the 80s and 90s is a greater coherence in the intellectual formation, that we can't have good pastoral practice if we don't have good truth to live by. And so the truth and practice go together. But when John Paul II said that about human formation being the foundation dimension, well, that rang some ears, but really didn't move the needle until later. So you think of how things work in the church. It takes time. It takes decades for a a global response. And what we started to see in the late 90s was a real emphasis on learning how to pray. And the Institute for Priestly Formation out of Omaha saw the, uh, the stunning result of 160 or 170 seminarians every summer for 25 years learning how to pray in a nine-week program. And that has infiltrated all of our seminaries, all of our dioceses. Everyone's heard of this. And so the emphasis on prayer was so important. But if I have pastoral formation, intellectual formation, and spiritual formation, but I don't have a humanity that can receive it, well then, I'm just getting a lot of schooling. And so now today, the new emphasis is on healing a man's humanity so that he can receive formation. There's actually soil there to receive it. So if you think of a person's heart like Jesus does, there are rocky places, there are paths, there are thorny places, and then there's good soil. And that good soil can receive the word and listen and understand and see things that are meant to be seen by a healthy human being. And so we're really emphasizing that the first steps of any seminary formation is learning how to heal. And when that healing happens, all the rest of the dimensions make a lot more sense. Well, I'd like to talk more about that human dimension, but first let's take a very quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Father Paul Hazing here on Roadmap to Heaven. A most commendable, indulgenced prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church, on the Supreme Pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, most kind, bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord. We are back, and we're on the road at Kenrick Lennon Seminary here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, visiting with Father Paul Hazing, who is the new president-rector this academic year. And Father, before the break, you were speaking about the importance of 
human formation. And I think that is something that sometimes we lose sight of, that the men here in the seminary studying are precisely that. They're human. They're, they're not robots. They're not androids. They're not just scholars, but they have hearts, they have emotions, and they have hurts as well as struggles and whatnot. And that's not unique to anyone, but it is important to address those things. So how do you address the human heart? Because I can think, you know, academically, there's curriculums you can go through and best pastoral practices, but how does one form the heart in seminary? Mm, That's a great approach to a great question. Forming the heart happens in relationship, and relationships allow us to become someone. If I want to become someone, I become someone through being with those who care for, love, and trust, and with the mutual mutuality of that trust and love brings our hearts alive in a way that allows us to be more and more human. Notice what happens if I isolate, if I spend a lot of time by myself, not in solitude, which is different. Solitude means being alone with. Isolation is just aloneness. We start to become more and more inhuman. And that inhumanity towards ourselves, that inhumanity towards others, just really takes us down some spirals. So the community of the seminary really is to the advantage of the man to form his heart through relationships. And that's going to be the pattern of any healing of our humanity. More and more relationship, less and less isolation. And we see this with people who are ill. When they become ill, they tend to get isolated, and it makes the illness worse whether it's mental illness or physical illness. That's why it's such a work of mercy to visit the sick because you bring them into community. That's one of the most moving aspects of Jesus' healings in the Gospels. He gives the person back to the community. They are healed and they're back in communion. And so this healing through relationship will form the human heart of the man to then say, wow, I received healing through relationship. Let me bring that to people's lives not only as a priest personally present to them and their sorrow or their hurts, but also create community. And so that's one of the real kind of mantras of priestly formation is that he be a man of communion, especially a diocesan priest, that he has a capacity to bring people together. Going back to the example we used at the start of that question, I would imagine as the president rector, it's easy to look at some of the wonderful faculty you have here, Dr. Ed Hogan, Dr. Larry Mm -hmm. Feingold, Mm -hmm. Monsignor Ramakati in canon law, and say they are experts in their fields and in academics. We can very clearly see they are 100% solid. How do you find formators then Mm. to help with this human dimension? What are you looking for when it comes to that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, first of all, there's a great advantage in having that diversity of lay faculty who are raising families, who are living spousal lives, and they can share the gift of that spousal life, the gift of raising a family, because the priest is invited to do that as a chaste spouse and as a father. And so they learn that with these very gifted lay faculty. And to be very frank, especially the women lay faculty impart such a gift to the men here of attentiveness to relationship. And our most influential women in our seminary, who probably know the most about all the men, we have 125 men involved in formation, are Joanne Kershon with the College in Pre-Theology and Dr. Suzanne Harbath. And they have decades of experience between them. And these women help the men rise to new strength 
in relating to people. So one of the men said to me the other day, I tell the men, you're involved in learning how to box here, if you will. So stay in the ring with us. Formation is boxing lessons. And Muhammad Ali of this house is Dr. Suzanne Harvath. And one of the men said, yeah, I was talking to her. And she said, when I hear you talk like that, I hear a whiny little boy. And he said, I don't want to be a little boy anymore. I want to be a man. So this movement into a manful relating with people, a mature, manly relating, really our lay people are very important in that, and women especially. That brings up another important point, because when I think back to my transition from high school to college, and I know not every vocation goes directly from high school into college seminary, Mm -hmm. but many do. Mm -hmm. Looking back at Adam Wright between ages 18 and 24, that was a very awkward time in life. And I'm (laughs) very glad I've grown up. And when I was 26, 27, I got married. We had our first kid Mm -hmm. and grew up very fast at that point. And I've had a good wife to help me in that. How do you help these young men who in many ways still are boys, but they're transitioning into being Mm -hmm. strong men. How do you help them with that? Oh my. So helping them to trust, because that's really the goal of a seminary, to be a culture of trust. Trust that if you reveal yourself, if you talk about your weaknesses, if you reveal your vulnerabilities, not only in the community with each other as peers, but also with those who can help you, you will grow. And the growth happens through that vulnerability but you have to trust first. So trust us. If you reveal what you're struggling with, if you reveal what you have awkwardness about, we'll show you a way. We won't tell you what to do, but we'll show you a way forward. So a lot of the work of a formator is asking the questions that help a man reveal what's going on in his life. And that, for me, is how we change the world, by asking the right questions. And it moves into the awkwardness, it moves into the weaknesses, and there can be instruction there because we've been there, right? Adam, you've been there, I've been there. Yeah, I remember my awkward teens and awkward early 20s, but I also had people in my life that didn't abandon me when I had those learning moments. (laughs) People who were really stood by me. We're not going to run away from that. We're not going to run away from your mess. So... Go ahead and reveal it. I think that's it comes back to what you said earlier about this is an isolation. This is community and the importance of community. Mm-hmm. And I know um, one of the gentlemen here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis is very kind to welcome the seminarians periodically out to his farm property where there's time for fellowship. There's time to be out just doing manly activities, but really having that time of fraternity mm-hmm. with one another as they continue to grow up. I think the saying is iron sharpens iron. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And when the man can see how he's being sharpened, that moves him to trust more uh, and keep trusting the the self-revelation, keep trusting the way in which we care for one another. That's really not easy to do with men because we tend to want to take care of things ourselves and not ask for help. Well, Father, I want to thank you for your time. Before we wrap up, I do have one last question Mm -hmm. for you. What can our listeners ask our Lord for in prayer Hmm. for the men here. I mean, when we think about the diocese that our signals reach, I want to say, having looked at the data, there are seminarians from pretty much every diocese our airwaves reach Mm -hmm. here at Kenrick Lennon right now. So how can we pray for our seminarians? Hmm. I think I'll go back to that heart, that formation of the heart happens in love. And we only mature when we know we're loved, when we're secure in love. So I would ask a prayer of intercession that the seminarians would be more and more receptive to love in their life, to be shaped by it, to encounter it, and then themselves to fall in love. All right. And then could I ask you to lead us in a prayer as we close? 
Let's pray. O God, Almighty Father, you're full of mercy and reveal your mercy in fullness in your Son, Jesus. Grant to us who long for priests after your own heart to have priests formed in your love and your pastoral charity. Free us now to receive your blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Paul Hazen, we want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. We're going to take a break, and then I'll be back with you in studio. Stay tuned. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee, for in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. And our catechist question today is about the sacraments. During which sacrament is sacred chrism used to anoint the hands of the person who is receiving the sacrament? During which sacrament is sacred chrism used to anoint the hands of the person who is receiving the sacrament? I'll give you a couple clues here. It could be baptism. It could be confirmation. It could be holy orders. It could be anointing of the sick. All of those involve anointing with oil. And the correct answer is holy orders. Holy orders is the only sacrament in which the hands of the person receiving the sacrament are anointed with sacred chrism. But wait, you say, Adam, in the anointing of the sick, the hands are anointed with oil. And yes, that is true, but they are not anointed with the sacred chrism. They are anointed with the oil of the infirmed. And so while you're correct that they're anointed with oil, it's not the sacred chrism. In baptism, we are anointed. If, if our baptism is not immediately followed by confirmation, perhaps as adults who go through RCIA in the Easter Vigil would have it. Um, you know, but if you're baptized as an infant, you're anointed on the crown of your head with sacred chrism. Also, as a parent, you know, it's like the week. It's no bath this week. I don't care what happens. I want to smell that chrism for as long as I can. I don't care if we have to wash the kid down with a washcloth everywhere but that head. That, that sacred chrism smell has to linger. Oh, I, I miss those. I miss those days post-baptism. And then uh, in confirmation, we're also anointed on the forehead with sacred chrism. When a bishop is consecrated, uh, a priest is made bishop, he is anointed on the head with sacred chrism. But only during ordination to the priesthood are the hands anointed with sacred chrism. Let's uh, continue to pray for our priests, continue to pray for all who go through the sacraments. Interestingly enough, did you know that the oil of the catechumen and the oil of the infirmed are blessed, but only the sacred chrism is consecrated? And did you know when all of these oils are blessed and consecrated? That's right, at the chrism mass, typically on the morning of Holy Thursday, sometimes transferred for logistical reasons in a large diocese where priests would have to come many hours to get to the cathedral for that mass. So, you know, kind of fascinating stuff. Something it's good to know about. We're going to take one more break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We'll get you a check of the weather after. Well, actually, we could get you a song first, then a check of the weather, then the daily dose of encouragement, then we'll wrap up. Don't go anywhere. Prayer in a Time of Waiting 
All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but as we've gone through this week of the Daily Dose of Encouragement, I feel a little bit younger because we are looking at living with faith as a child. Patty Schneier, let's feel even younger together today. (laughs) Well, I just started thinking about, well, how does a child live? How does a child act? Not to be childish, but to be more childlike in our faith. And there's one thing about a child I think many people will agree. A child cannot handle plans too far out in advance. I remember they have no concept of when three weeks even is. If you say, oh, that's, you know, that's four weeks from now, that's a month from now, they don't, they don't know. So very often with a child, they only need to know what is on the schedule for today. I had a child raising one of my own. I could not even tell that child what we're doing if it was something big and exciting two weeks out, three weeks out, because it would just drive that child crazy, right? So the child only really needs to know what we're going to do today. So that's the question. Lord, what do you want me to do today? How can I be holy today? How can I be a light in this world and point to you today? How can I serve you today and give you glory? I think many of us, we want to know what's going to happen five days from now, five weeks from now, five months from now, five years from now. And maybe we need to be like a child and just live in the moment with the faith of a child and just say, Lord, what do you want me to do today. How often we get so wrapped up in our calendars and worrying about the future that we overlook the gift that today is. So, Patty, I'd like to thank you for this encouragement to stay in today. A few things going on around the area that we'd like to remind you of. On All Saints Day, Pauline Books and Media in Crestwood, Missouri, is having a uh, an All Saints celebration. Calling all kids, come visit the sisters and for, on November 1st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dressed as your favorite saint, have your picture taken with the sister, receive a prize, no need to register, just come for that. And again, if you're looking for some good music, some good holy music to pray with and, and really just to lift your soul We've got the uh, Cathedral Concert at the Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis this Sunday. You know, Fares Requiem, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of sacred music, and there will be some other pieces to pray with as well. So be sure to check that out. I want to say that's at 2.30 on Sunday afternoon, but you'll have to go visit um, the Cathedral Bulletin for more information to check that out. Also, you know, it's Halloween on Monday, and We've been talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby over the past few weeks about getting ready for that. Have you zeroed in on something yet? I am thinking, my wife and I were talking about this last night, thinking this might be a year that I'll go as St. Philip Neri again. I've been growing a beard all fall, and maybe, just maybe, I'll shave half of it off and go as St. Philip Neri. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I kind of like having my beard. There are some other great saints out there. You know, our daughter is in, one of our daughters in her class, they're having an all-saint celebration on Tuesday, 
and it's just a, a really fun thing. She decided to go as her patron saint, Saint Amelia. And the, the hardest thing we're having to figure out right now is one of when you read the story of Saint Amelia, there's a few things. She uh, fractured her arm and it was miraculously healed. And then she needed to cross a river. And so she rode on the back of a fish. I don't know if she's the patron saint of surfing or not, but she apparently crossed the river on the back of a fish. And so we're trying to figure out how to make shoes that look like fish. We found fish sandals, but they're uh, open back sandals and she's not allowed to wear those to school. So I got some ideas cooking, but I, I kind of love this creative process of well, how do we make our kids dress like saints? And I'm, I'm so grateful that she knows about her patron saint and knows about her namesake and can tell you these things. She actually went to go get her haircut last night and my uh, mom took her and she said, Grandma, I want to get my haircut like St. Amelia. And we all asked the same question. Well, how did St. Amelia have her haircut? I don't know, but we, that's how I want it cut. So we figure that out. Lots of prayer intentions. Please continue to pray for the people of St. Louis as we continue to move past the tragic events of Tuesday or of, of Monday. I apologize. And also continue to pray for vocations. Continue to pray your rosary each and every day during this month of October. And, you know, it's not too early to start praying for the 20,000 or so college students, missionaries that are going to be descending upon the metro area in early January for the Focus Seat Conference. And uh, so let's pray for them. Lots Lots of intentions. Pray for you pray for me. Let's pray for one another. Let's uh, close our show in prayer right now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Steve Wood back with us once again, and we are so happy to have him with us. What else do we have for you tomorrow? We have, well, we got some good things planned, so tune in then. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Have a blessed day, and pray your rosary today.